From the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast, and boy, have we gotten professional with that clap! I know! Yeah, Perry's really got the clap! (laughs) (laughs) Something's itching. No, I'm I'm Perry. I'm MJ. This is Mark. And welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, So, actually, I'm feeling a little bit more in the... Are you okay? In the zone. (laughs) Yeah, more in the zone now. Good. One show behind us after two months of break. Hiatus. Hiatus. Vacation. Vacation. Having our nice puffy queue basically (laughs) deflated to, what, two episodes left? No, I think I need to get stuff like in the queue now. Did we ever reach out to our sound engineer and apologize to him for the dearth of work? And then, did we like tell him what we were up to? Not really. Sorry. I just, you know... Rick just either sorry, gets ten or none for two weeks. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I feel like okay, sorry, Rick. Um, we should have like cued you in on what was up, or clued you in. Mm-hmm. I guess it works both ways, cued or clued. He, however, has been pretty busy himself. Very so busy. he's moved. You know, he's moved up up a uh, state into his tiny house. He alone or with his wife? I believe with his wife. I believe so. Yeah, very cool. And a closet Loving, full of kilts. He's. he's <laughs> Loving his new uh, new accommodations. Yeah. They're pretty groovy people. Yep. We like them a yeah. lot. Love you, Rick. <laughs> yeah, you're looking really dialed in right now. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this transition so we can get to the show. <laughs> so, um, it's like breaking glass. Oh, good one, dude. <laughs> I bet that never happens in their, sh- in hey, their office. Hey, right. Rick, insert sound. Yeah. 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 Right here. Broken glass <laughs> everywhere. People running on the street. You know, we just don't care. Okay. so we have Me neither. You are kidding me. Eminem? One no. of the most famous, no. iconic raps ever. Really? So famous it was recognized by... Um, Donald J. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> The woman on uh, Fresh Air, Amy Gross, yep. Terry Gross, Terry Gross, Terry Gross? Yeah. yeah. Is it? I thought you could say like Grandmaster Martha's... Flash and a Furious oh, oh, Five. Oh boy, that is way yeah. going back. Well, you're <laughs> oh, too old. Wow, well, I, I thought you were going to talk like Martha Stewart or something because Martha she's a, Stewart raps. She's a rap. Yeah, she's got that new show, the new cooking show with Snoop Dogg. With Snoop Dogg, <laughs> he puts he puts dope in everything. Pretty much. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Now who's relevant? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Damn. I'm shamed. <laughs> no. Give him my black card. No. That's okay. You got a man card which trumps me every time. No, don't say that. Oh, I've got to learn about that, though. No. I may not like it, but it's I don't reality. like that either. I don't either. Okay. This took, it, took us all down a notch. No. Subject for another show, probably, right? Let's not do that. Okay, we will. That's then. just so depressing to even think about. Scratch that idea. Yeah, Shannon and Mike, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> we were working on such a great segue, and then I just <laughs> killed it. I apologize. I'm not feeling so welcome. <laughs> yeah. Today is the apology show. First, we had to apologize for Tarek for completely ignoring him for exactly. two months. Now we get to apologize our guests who have been here for five seconds. <laughs> but for them, it feels like two months. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, so Sh- Shannon and Mike, welcome to the show. So Shannon and Mike um, own this company called DT Glass. They, they do glass installations for, I presume, regular homes. And they happen to have done a, a shower installation for um, Michelle's tiny house. But the reason why we're having them on the show today is because they lived for 10 years aboard a sailboat. And so we're going to explore that story and the stories underneath that story. And I'm sure they've got great stories to tell our audience, all of whom are eager to hear this. We actually had we had a, a sailboat denizen on you our show before. You didn't. You weren't a part of that one. That's right. We need to circle back with her and see if she's still alive. Really? Oh, yeah, Remember that's right. Her? I forgot Man, about that, that. That was that young girl that was just like, she was doing all kinds of risky stuff, and we were yeah. predicting. We didn't know yeah. what was going to happen to her. You're, you're traveling the ocean. Okay, great. Well, you're taking a satellite phone. No? No. no. Oh, okay. yeah! It was she was crazy. <laughs> she was crazy in her quest for pushing the envelope of what was sane. Well, it's funny that you guys are talking that way because I'm I one of the things that I want to do in my later years or maybe sooner is do what you guys did for ten years. And I've been watching on YouTube. There are dozens of couples of all different ages that are doing YouTube videos. Uh, chronicling their travels around the world in a sailboat and full-time living and all of that. And some of them are making quite good money doing that, like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, um, chronicling their voyages. Um, so um, let's get let's get on with uh, Stephanie and Rick, or Shannon and Rick, sorry, Shannon and Mike. Shannon. <laughs> wow! We need a bigger studio. We're going to need a bigger boat, goddammit! <laughs> Shannon and Mike! Like I said, anyway... So tell how did how did this first of all you're not on the sailboat anymore? And no, yeah. So it all started in 1996. So we moved aboard. We had that dream that we were going to sail away. We wanted to go a year and a half out to Australia, New Zealand, and back. Um, the Dream never made it in full, but living aboard for ten years was still a lot of fun. Well, what, what were you doing? Bef- what were you doing before you moved aboard, and what inspired you to want to move aboard? Well, we were just basically—I <laughs> I don't let my talk. I guess <laughs> we were—we were regular people. Um, Mike was working construction. Um, I was a CPA, and um, we owned our own house. That was the biggest question that we got. Oh, so you're going to live aboard a sailboat until you can afford to buy a house, right? I was like, no, no. We sold the house so we could do this, and um, we just. Actually, my my grandpa had died, and it always kind of makes you think, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? And we thought that living on a boat would bring us closer together, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) You're still married. Something worked out. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We moved off the boat. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was was fun on the boat. The main reason we moved off is our son. uh, We had our son on the boat. And when he turned three, he had too much stuff and needed place to roam. Right. The, the boat was uh, basically 210 square feet of space with 110 square feet of walking room wow. to get around the built-in because everything was built in. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's all there was. And oh, that was yeah. a 42-foot boat. What so kind that's of a, boat was it? It's a Polaris sailboat. Mm. So that's that's like no space for a three year old to like wander around, especially a boy like full of energy. You can just imagine um, what. He, yeah, that's just yeah. that was very it was very nice of you. 
We did get creative while he was little. Um, he would, well... Sleep in a hammock? Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, first it's easy when you bring the baby home. You could you could just stick him in a drawer somewhere. It wasn't that big of a deal. Right. But, they don't move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the amazing part about children. Like, they get, they're just like, you set them there and they're still there. And then they reach the point where you set them there and you come back and they're not there anymore. Whole different parenting game. Yeah, yeah. The first part, those were, those were good times. Yeah. Uh, when he started crawling around, we did get creative. We had a really big deck on on top right. and so we would take the the lanyard that would be for the sale and we'd attach it to him <laughs> to <the bed>. Seriously? <laughs> yeah i mean it was perfect and we'd set it up to where he could only reach the edges of the boat just far from the water if he jumped he's okay. he's fine. <laughs> no place to go he just kind of you know bounce up above yeah. <laughs> right. that was actually pretty smart yeah, we also put nets around to make sure he didn't with if he wasn't tied on. He had a little life jacket, but he would walk with the halyard on or he'd crawl until it pulled on him and then he'd stand up and he'd try to go a little farther and the halyard just pull him back. Oh. It worked out perfectly. Wow. That's how you train elephants too. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, come off, they just don't go any further than that. <laughs> so how much time was there between when you moved onto the boat and then when you had the baby? Um, so in tiny house land, um, we talk a lot about using tiny spaces and tiny houses as transitions and as tools. So um, what you know that was ten years then from when you moved in to when you moved out. What was going on during that time financially, sociologically? relationship wise and how come so, how come you didn't end up in Australia right you want to go <laughs> couldn't speak go the ahead. language <laughs> so, <laughs> so wow that's a lot that's a lot to uh, go over so um when we first were looking at moving aboard, we we read a lot of books. It was 1996, and so, you know, not as many no podcasts or YouTube videos <laughs> or anything. So we read a lot of books, and um, part of what I loved about it was getting rid of stuff. Because when we got rid of stuff, I felt freer. We had a, a giant garage sale when we were getting ready to sell the house, move aboard, get rid of all of our stuff. And I just felt better and better with everything that left. And <laughs> and I felt worse and worse. Doing construction, tons of tools, uh, tons yeah. of stuff. Yeah. The only thing we saved from our household stuff was an antique little kid's dresser and our dining room table and chairs. And we stored them at my mom and dad's in my old room, just put it up there. Yeah. But it was really hard to get rid of my stuff. I bet. Right. So you were still in construction, mm. though. You must have had a place for your tools, though. I mean, they granted, you have to downsize to one good one of everything mm -hmm. instead of five half-ass ones, but... No? no, five good ones. Oh, five good ones. <laughs> oh, there you go. Heard that. Primarily, all of my tools stayed in my van. Right. Later on, I ended up uh, going in with another person on the dock, and we bought an old boathouse, mm. put a floor in it, and put a little wood shop in that. Oh, so cool. So that worked really well. And then we'd have dock parties there. Like the first year Survivor was out, we'd all come right. watch Survivor in the <laughs> nice. boathouse. Oh, fun. Very cool. So so you had this vision of, of traveling in this boat. You downsized the house you got rid of all your stuff except for stuff you couldn't put it in the boathouse got on the boat oh the what happened yeah, question. What yeah, happened? yeah yeah so so we asked ourselves that a lot because 
I mean, it's huge to quit your jobs and start sailing. And the biggest question was, how much money is it going to take? When is it okay for us to leave? So that was the number one question. And then the second question is, when are we physically able to uh, take a boat out into the ocean? Hmm. And so we worked on learning how to um, operate the boat, figuring out what electronics we needed and stuff like that. Um, we watched other people go away. We we watched some friends of ours uh, head to New Zealand and, and live our dream. And I said, well, how come we couldn't do it? And Mike said, well, because neither of us is Todd. And Who's Todd? Todd. Todd was the the of the couple. He was the one that saved every single penny. Uh-huh. As they left, she said, "Oh, look at this butane curling iron that that I bought. That okay. I'll be able to curl my hair with no electricity." And he said. Wow, we should put that for sale. We, <laughs> um, we didn't have the um, so we didn't have as much control, and uh, I'd say we probably got a little scared. Uh, scared what do you of. Think? Oh, um, we also saw friends that went out the and ocean then instantly came back. Came back. <laughs> <laughs> they, they couldn't. They couldn't take it being the only two on the boat. They. Mm. The long nights, because someone has to be on watch the mm-hmm. full time while you're sailing and you're going someplace, and and there was that whole thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I had an injury that kind of turned me off to the boat. I fell from the mast. I fell 47 feet and ripped my left foot off. So now everyone will know who I am. <laughs> um, they put it back on. No shit. But it took it took like uh, seven years and nine surgeries oh, to get it to where I can walk around and no one can really notice. So, we spent a lot of time. That's trying. a little traumatic. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a really good excuse why they didn't go. What do you think? Well, wait. How did you? <laughs> so I think Perry just named the episode. I rigged the line wrong, yeah. and when I came down from putting lights Jeez. and the antenna back up on, I just free fell from from the top. Shannon slowed me down quite a bit and got second, and third degree burns on her hands. Yeah. But basically, I rigged the line wrong. How did you? He says I rigged a line wrong instead of saying my wife dropped me. Because <laughs> uh, the line came out of my uh, hands. hands. It might not have if it had been rigged differently, oh, but yeah. So I'm holding a rope that's attached to him, and next thing I know, I'm not holding a rope, and he's. Mm-hmm. How'd your foot come off? I hit a stanchion on the way down with the toes and basically uh, uh, broke the talus and punched my leg through my heel. Oh, so, Ouch. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. So I ouchie, guess, ouchie. And what, what year was that into the this whole idea? Um, so that... Five years in? Oh, it was five uh, years in. Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, four. Yeah, four yeah. Four years yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. 2000. So, when you, so in those four years, were you going out sailing? So we would we, we would go monthly, um, at least monthly, because we uh, we belonged to a yacht club, and it was a yacht club where everybody wore jeans, and we met over at the school uh, gym, and um, really great group of people. And once a month, we would go somewhere along the river. It is a long ways to the ocean from oh, Portland. This is in Portland. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. makes a huge because it's a hundred miles by boat, I think, to get twenty. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a two-day, at least a two-day sail, maybe three. You right? can get there in a day if you push. If you motor. Because the fastest our boat would go 
was about six and a half knots. Okay. So it was yeah. it was a slow boat to the ocean. Yeah. Wow. Talk about going with other people though. But uh, one way we did get out was every time someone was taking a boat to Seattle, we'd say, "Hey, do you need crew?" or bringing a boat back down, and we'd go out and help them bring their boats back and forth, and that was just a so much fun and a learning experience. So, so the actual sailing experience uh, confirmed for you that your dream was going to be kind of exciting. Right? Oh, yeah, it's definitely doable. Everything about it was was I enjoyed immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the the timing and everything just kind of changed yeah. things. Yeah. Right, right. We I mentioned trying to save the money and being without. Um, being without an income for that period of time. Mm -hmm. But uh, you start to realize, too, that even if you have all the money that you need, it's not going, if a storm comes along, you're not, it it doesn't matter how how much you thought you were prepared. Um, Someone falls, it got got a little real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I imagine, however, so again, going back to the accident, so you probably were out of work for a while, so you were or were not enjoying the fact that you had downsized and maybe didn't have quite the financial pressure that you would have had had you lived in the larger house. I mean, was was there any part of that part of the, people talk about tiny houses like you know convalescing or sort of resting and kind of again that tool using a tiny house as a tool. Was there any part of that that uh, sort of helped contribute to your recovery? It it helped quite a bit. Um, I was under the impression from when we first got together that no matter what we were doing, we should always be able to live on one of our wages. Okay. That's smart. So we, we tried to do that throughout. And then when I got hurt, it was just, oh, we're not going out to dinner as much. Right. Basically, that, that's what it changed. Right. And we were financially, everything was fine. That's all awesome. That. But then that meant that money wasn't going into the sailing kitty right. also. Of so. course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I've always thought was, um, well, one of my driving forces to move on to the boat was getting a better concept of when to buy things and what to buy because we had, we, you know, we didn't grow up poor, but we didn't grow up rich. And it was like, if you wanted something, if you could afford it, you bought it. So we were buying a bunch of stuff that we could afford, but we didn't necessarily need. need? Right. And so moving aboard the boat was really nice to look at something. And it, I mean, if we didn't know where we were going to put it, we wouldn't buy it. Yeah. And it helped us kind of think a lot more about what really has value long term, what gives us joy, how do we make those decisions and and stop this whole, you know, I like it right now, let's buy it. We also uh, tried to stay sail ready. So that meant not a lot of knickknacks and stuff hanging around. When you're in a sailboat, uh, you know, and you're turning your house at like 45 degrees, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you can't have a lot of stuff in there. So I, I really, really loved that idea of living on less. It meant we had a whole lot more money, and it meant that we made a lot better decisions, too. So do, you th- do you think that how, how long has it been since you have lived on the boat? Um, so 11 years. Okay. Yeah, we left when my son was three. He's 14 now. Okay. And, and would you say that the, the enjoyment you just expressed from living on the boat and living a more simple lifestyle has persisted through those 10 years? 
the additional 10 years? We've tried to make it persist. We we still went back to more stuff. He bought so many more tools. Um, <laughs> but um, we still we still live in a smer- fairly small house. We still live in 1,200 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still try to keep it down. My... My family and his family were the worst when they said, oh, you moved back into a house. We can buy you stuff, stuff. again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Christmas presents, all that stuff that you get that you don't really need. Or mm-hmm. So now we get yeah. Omaha steaks. They're wonderful. Oh, <laughs> subscription services. Freezer, yeah. Yeah. yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and now we have the we have the shop, we have the business, and so we. I would love to move back aboard a boat. Mike's not so sure, but if we did move aboard a boat, he still has twenty four thousand square feet <laughs> to fill <laughs> to with put stuff. Your stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so he got his wish. It plays for all of his tools and all his stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so what is it? What is it about a boat that still calls to you? So I. I I had this feeling, and I try to explain it to people. I don't know, maybe t- tiny house people will understand. Um, it's it's a frame of mind, and so to me, when I was in the boat, that was just part of where I lived. We were on Sovie Island, and Sovie Island is beautiful. And inside my boat, outside my boat, the dock, the entire island, that was where I lived. And so I found myself looking at houses and looking at fences around the houses, thinking that is so sad that you live in that tiny space when I live in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I know it's all just a frame of mind but right. that's how i looked at it did you did, did you live in a slip alongside other boats or were you on your own pier on Sylvia island uh yeah we lived with uh there's 21 boats in our marina and 13 there was a total of 13 liveaboards because they didn't like them right next to each other so they skipped mm. uh, oh i see so everyone had a little bit more privacy yeah. and everyone on the dock um everyone on the dock were all professionals also you had investment bankers, uh, electricians, FBI guy. Um, It was all, yeah, an oceanographer, hydrologist. (laughs) Every single person on the dock was a professional, had careers, get up, put their suit on, leave in the morning. It it was it was a really nice place to live. They all lived on boats though? Yes. So it wasn't Hippieville. Yeah, it wasn't was it so one of the things one. So when I <laughs> <laughs> Was that we, you? No, we had, we had no I was trailer trash. <laughs> Construction. But uh, we had one guy, definite uh hippie, nicest guy in the world. Right. Do anything for you, just really, really nice guy. But so, yeah, no. Huh. So when I was when I was explaining this, I, I share the same. It is just a it's a feeling about it. So I I took some sailing lessons for a couple of years up at uh, Hayden Island, and just fell in love with sailing. And I was expressing to Mark about my desire to live full time on a on a, a boat, and he had said. <laughs> You got to be careful living on a boat because everyone likes to drink in the marina. <laughs> I think that's kind of true from what I've heard. We said they were professionals. We didn't say they, they were, were so. <laughs> and the hippie, they got pot too. <laughs> we didn't say that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, but it was it was an incredible group of people, and that was the other thing. They, 
there are these things that people think. They think that um, you're only doing it because you don't have any money right. or you're trying to save. They think that you're living with a bunch of hippies. Right. They also think that um, you have to be constantly within like this close, close proximity to your spouse. <laughs> and um, I'm constantly... Um, I was constantly telling people, and we read somewhere, again, the state of mind. Um, some parents told their kids while they were living aboard, any time that you want to, you can say, I am invisible. And so the kids would say, I'm invisible. And then none of the family was allowed to talk to them. They would have their private time. They would be right there. Maybe they'd be, and we had spaces. We had, you know, a space up front where the bed was. We had a little nav station. We had like a living room. That, uh, galley and the salon um, but again state of mind I am doing this I don't want to be bothered and we just respect that with each other hmm. so you live in a we'll call it typical middle class neighborhood now but how do you stay no <laughs> where do you live where do you live in Portland we live on a in a um, early 1900s cabin on the Sandy River that was built by the, oh, the forestry department. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, then that's wow. how you stay yeah. connected then. Yeah, so we still have the river and the noise because that's one of the best things about sleeping on the boat is you could hear the water flowing by the bow of the boat and this little gurgle. Right, mm-hmm. all the time. And it just went yeah. to sleep. So the reason why I was going to ask that question <laughs> is you had expressed, you know, sort of displeasure or sort of like this this concept of going from your tiny space and the intimacy and the connection to the environment and then living, you know, in suburbia. So I was wondering, how do you stay connected? The answer the question was, how do you stay connected <laughs> to that to that feeling? And you basically never left it. You went from a yeah. waterbound version to a landbound version, right? Of the kind of the same concept. Yeah. And um along even if you left the tiny house movement, <laughs> we still love you. <laughs> it's it's a little too big to be tiny house, yeah. But um the other thing that we did all along the way is that while we were living on the boat, we liked to um buy and fix up and sell houses. We did in the ten years we probably did only like four or something but um so we'd buy a house and we'd we'd kind of squat in the house we wouldn't have any furniture or anything mm-hmm. but we'd live in the bigger house sometimes right and um we were fixing up one house that was 2500 square feet and we felt like we were yelling at each other all, all the, the time. time we couldn't find each other <laughs> so i remember one morning i'm getting ready for work and i'm in the bathroom and i'm at the sink and mike comes over and he sits on the ca- counter with his bowl of cereal <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? I'm just being here with you. And it was, oh, it was nice. Yeah, yeah. That's, an, that's an interesting contra, a juxtaposition of what people think about living tiny is that you're always up in each other's grill, so it's from the urban speak. And um, and so you're, you don't have any privacy, but what you just expressed is really interesting that moving from that tiny space to a bigger space, you kind of miss the tiny space. Mm-hmm. Oh. I miss the water. I'm a, I'm a big water person. So for as much as I enjoy, you know, my tiny space, my tiny houses and village, um, I'll be looking for some waterfront pretty soon. So I'll have to hit you up and get your advice on how to find some good waterfront stuff. Because I, I, a river, ocean, lake, stream, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm, I love. I agree with you. The sound and the mm-hmm. feeling. I mm-hmm. definitely have always been attracted to mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Not a big sailboat fan though. That, but I'm just that just scares me. 
I don't know. I was really afraid of that. There's always floating homes, the tiny little floating home for there you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've looked at, there's a couple of flips actually further up, like up by Scapoose in the area. There's a couple of uh, floating homes that are actually, I've thought of for flips uh, because they're run down and you're like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> or Airbnb or something. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So why did you choose a sailboat? And so, well, you chose a sailboat to go to Australia. If you move back to a boat, you're still going to live on a sailboat, or are you thinking floating home? Or is moving back to a boat even in the cards? It's it's hard for me to think about living back that. to a sailboat. I can see that. The, the issue I have with a sailboat is it's so slow. Oh, it's a very slow way to get anywhere. I would, wouldn't mind moving on to a powerboat, but then you really can't go to anywhere because you can't afford the fuel. That's exactly so, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so right. that's, the, that's the problem with yeah. that. I, I keep thinking about it once in a while, moving back to, a, to the sailboat, but until our son was done with high school and into college, mm. I don't think it would work for him. Mm. There's a... Stern wheeler that's kind of run down that I have my really? eyes on. How oh, big is it? So awesome. Three it's... stories. Okay. No oh, man. <laughs> yeah, wow. That could you could turn that into a pretty awesome mansion, but it would be a lot of space, you guys. Well, no? then we were Flying thinking B and B. Yeah, that would be yeah. yeah. Rock. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Don't don't say anything. I mean, the owners Shh, don't tell don't, anybody. Yeah, <laughs> the owners don't necessarily want me to have it. It's not even for sale, but yeah, so don't tell anybody. It's funny, the owners of the Society Hotel in Old Town, um, they looked at a a stern wheeler as a hotel modality before they bought the the building that's now the, 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 what did I call it? Society. 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 Yeah, Society Hotel. Hmm. And um, they said that the the trouble, they they said the the city of Portland Hmm had difficulty with them making hospitality because of the seismic issues but it was on the river and so i didn't really understand what that was about but she said it was so it was so unreasonable they decided to buy a building instead was that pre-airbnb i don't know because that'd be interesting the society hotel is relatively brand new mm-hmm. yeah is just it? a couple years two or three yeah. years yeah, yeah. Hmm. so it's just interesting that you're there's other stuff you'd have to have your captain's license and uh, to operate it, you it do? it's it would be a it would be a commercial vessel, ve- vessel, vessel yeah. And, yeah so hmm. there's there's lots of difficulties there huh. I mean maybe I'm an expert on loopholes <laughs> <laughs> maybe help you out with that we'll have to investigate some of those but I own it and then I lend it to my friends who come stay in my bedrooms. <laughs> exactly, in my bedrooms. Well, that's what Tree. Remember, Treehouse no, Resort did the same yeah. thing. Yeah. They're like, hey, exactly. they're not renting a house; they're buying a, t- a hundred and forty-five dollar T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. They buy a T-shirt. They're now my friend, and I let them stay in my treehouse. Remember, <laughs> Loophole City. Mm-hmm. Bam. Uh, again, maybe something you don't want to spread. No, <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> exactly. So, so for the listeners, usually, especially for a boat of that age, um, the sleeping accommodations are a, a V-shaped bed in the front. Um, usually, in that era, it was two beds in the back, one on either in the same room, a bigger bed, and then a real small bed on the other side of the room, or two small beds back there. What was your configuration? So our boat technically slept nine people. They'd have to be really friendly because you still only have one bathroom. Uh, The V-Birth slept two. Directly behind that, you had the bathroom on the um, port side and a double berth on the 
starboard side. Okay. And then you came back into the salon, and on the salon when we bought it, there was a upper bunk, a double bunk under that, and then you also oh. could sleep on the the settee around the table, but it didn't really fold down or anything. And then in the back, there's a Pullman or a, a small bunk for if you need to be close to the, the person on watch. Okay. So you could actually sleep a double in that also. It would have been real friendly, but you could have slept hmm. two there also. And what was on the other side in the back? The galley. Oh, so you so had the refrigeration the whole, okay. and everything built into that section. I see. Wow. But realistically, the way we used it is that that the V berth up front—that's where we slept. And um, Mike is six foot five, and so our first thing was finding a boat that he could even stand up in. Mm-hmm. It took us a long time, okay. and um, I didn't have a lot of foot room because our feet were down at the V. And <laughs> yeah, um, but then um, back from that, what? And that room had a door, and then back from that, uh, that berth across from the bathroom we used for our son so it it was like two bedrooms it was kind of in the hallway we could close off the um you would end up closing off like the hallway and so the bed would be on one side and then the bathroom would be on the other um we really trained our son from the beginning to you know lay down go to bed no getting up no paying attention because right on the other side of the wall was us watching tv Mm. and he'd stand up in his bed and you know peer around the corner at us (laughs) (laughs) go to bed so i mean you you really had to you really had to pay attention there were there weren't a lot of physical means i mean not like we'd tie him down or anything but i mean (laughs) there weren't a lot of you know bedrooms and separate areas so you really had to kind of again state of mind train kids Mm -hmm. to you have to be responsible you have to do what you need to do Go ahead. So we had, uh, before it was our son's room, it was Shannon's closet. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had ran a uh, closet rod across the center of it, and that whole berth was her closet. Okay. And then I had two drawers underneath that were that were my closet. Your work t-shirts. <laughs> wow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of, it seems as though a lot of young people are start, who are considering living tiny are choosing instead of tiny houses, sailboats. And and many of these people that I've seen on the internet that are choosing sailboats can't afford the modern sailboats that are like hundreds of thousands of dollars for a new one or even for a used one. So they're looking back into the era where you guys were having one. And so what advice could you give a young couple that's looking to get adventurous but doesn't want to be landlocked and is thinking about doing a boat? Get a really good surveyor and have the boat inspected really well because we found a bunch of issues with water leaks and stuff that we didn't think were there. Hmm. That That's the main thing, a really good survey. Hmm. If if you go cheap on a boat, you you could be buying a money pit. I think people call boats money pits anyway. Right. But it could it could go really bad really fast. The cheap ones are, yeah, usually cheap for, for a, a reason. reason. Yeah, it's it, it's scary. You got to get good quality yeah. for sure. And our boat was a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it's cheap for a house, but it's expensive for, for a, a boat. boat. Well, yeah, I was I was just sail worthy. Yeah, I was just on the internet 
yesterday looking at a YouTube video of a couple, young couple, younger than all of us, who are in Mexico. They're they're trading in their current boat for a, a new boat to them, but it's a hundred thousand dollars, and it's a piece of shit. To be <laughs> frank, I mean, it's got it's got teak deck, but the the ocean has ravaged that thing. And he was, it's like a trampoline when they walk on oh, it; it man. just bounces. And so, uh, th- the idea of of dropping a hundred thousand dollars on a boat to me is not enough money to get to get something that's going to be seaworthy and something that you're not going to have to put another I don't know fifty thousand mm-hmm. or more into it. Yeah, it it all depends. And again, the survey is what gives you that info. Mm -hmm. We also heard of people who would buy up really good boats pretty cheap down in Mexico Mm -hmm. because people would head down on their their journey for Mm -hmm. years and years and uh, get to Mexico and (laughs) take a flight back. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot easier to sail down the coast than up the coast. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. The wind blows. The wind, yeah. What? The wind blows all kinds of directions. It's the currents, mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, it's just, even though for as much as I love water, the sailing thing has just never Mm. interested me. Mm. Um, It's very, very scary. Interesting. So we have some, all of us have some very close friends, Andrew and and, uh, Mm -hmm. Gabriella Morrison, sold their tiny house and moved on to a 40 foot sailboat in Mexico. And both of them fully admitted of being scared of the open ocean. So they hired a they hired a captain to come actually walk them through how to sail mm-hmm. for, and live with them for like three weeks. And the whole process looked excruciatingly terrifying to me. It's a blast. <laughs> and that's to just me. Un- really I just love it. Isn't that I funny? Love it. Oh, that's so great. It's so awesome. That's so, so great. So one of the things that that I saw in as I'm watching these kids get into these boats is like insulation. So in tiny houses, condensation, uh, it's because it's a lot like a house, is, is not that big of a deal because there are a lot of remedies around that. But on a boat, what, what would a young person do or, and what do they need to be thoughtful about relative to condensation and moisture? So the fiberglass on our boat was about a half inch thick. And if it was freezing outside and you had it at 70 degrees inside, you had water running down the inside of the hull. I would wash the mold out of the boat uh, about monthly with bleach and water because it would grow that fast. So just accessibility, being able to clean it, stuff like that. Wow. I we we had a friend and um, they had just moved aboard their boat and she she said this is the strangest thing see look behind in this closet I don't even really use this closet and it keeps getting dirty and I'm like I'm like oh that's mold honey well, it's what like do living I do in an airstream in Clean Alaska <laughs> yeah yeah um, we got used to um, certain smells there was mold right diesel and mm. fiberglass mm. right. And and it's it's uh, it's amazing these days. Um, Michael, uh, I'll be going by one of the places down in Oregon City where they do fiberglass, mm-hmm. and I'll smell it. Oh, the boat! <laughs> uh, That's I'll how I smell. feel about horse poop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll smell diesel or mold or something, and I'll get nostalgic for the boat. Um, we we tried to keep it down, you know. We did whatever we could, but there are some there, there are some things that you learn to live with. And that's interesting because that was a hundred thousand dollar boat, and it still has those kinds of like, um, yeah, that's amazing. So there's like no other remediation as far as ventilation, or was did how did the style of the 
about or literally every seaworthy occupant out there is kind of dealing with the same thing? There's a lot of boats that have liners in them. Yeah. Uh, so you have the, the outer hull and then an inner liner. You don't get as much condensation with that, but you have no access to the center section right. between it. So if you hit something or you can't get at it to fix it. Right, so. and you don't know what's there and now you yeah. have mold between the layers. Wow, yeah. crazy. So yeah. it's just... There's so many different designs and really good insulation. I worked on a boat for three years, um, and we insulated the whole thing. He has no moisture inside. What did his you boat. insulate mm-hmm. it with? Um, we used a soft, closed-celled foam, which we glued to the hull, and then we used a um, hard-cell foam on top of that. So you had a one-inch foam layer and then a two-inch foam layer, and then we covered the whole thing with Formica countertop material. Mm-hmm. So you had a hard surface and yeah, so it was it was quite interesting. But he his boat is perfectly dry inside. He added a washer and dryer and a bathtub and a bathtub. <laughs> his wife really wanted a bathtub right. and they were both small, so right. they added a bathtub and it's like a foot wash. I mean bathtub <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> What kind of boat is that? It was actually the same boat as ours, a couple a year older than ours. It was a Polaris forty two. Wow. That's incredible. So, again, going back, Perry sort of mentioned it. So when you and I um, first met, we were working on my tiny house project. And not easily 95, 96, 97% of the people that either worked on it or toured Amelia during the six months of the project had never stepped foot on to, in, into a tiny house. They didn't get it. So it was really... I try to, of course, surround myself with people that get me and people that understand what it is to be in a tiny house. So, again, I just wanted to say thank you very much for your support of that project and thank you. Because, like, we instantly were like, oh, because you're like, yeah, this, this is big compared to what I did. So, we're, so it was great. I mean, it was great that we can go out in the world and sort of bump into each other and find other people that have that same value system and that same sort of downsizing and simplicity mentality in any square footage. Just because you live in 1,200 square feet now doesn't mean that uh, you don't get us. <laughs> So uh, I want again. I wanted to say that's you know I wanted to thank you for your support of that project. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I mean you know I just wanted to get to. This was also very selfish of me because I wanted to get to know them better. Um, <laughs> and so now the whole world gets to know them better at the same time. Well, it was an, it was a very interesting um, segment of your life that you lived, and it sounds like you're living another one now in that cabin on the Sandy River. I bet that's just a lovely experience in and of itself. We we never move into houses that are um, typically livable for most people. <laughs> um, it, it was falling down, probably should have been bulldozed, but it's oh. it's much nicer now. <laughs> well, being in the construction industry helps. I that bet. helps a lot. Yeah. yeah, I bet that helps for your well. Also, not only with your vision, but with your ability to sort of um, you know fix it. I fix mean, stuff. again, not it's it's one thing to be able to fix it, but it's an entirely different thing to be able to envision the space. Um, I tell people that I have the same problem with houses as I have with relationships. I don't see them for what they are now, but I see them what they can become when I'm done with them. It's a bad idea for relationships. Yeah. It's great for flipping. You can flip relationships. I can. <laughs> and probably have. More than a few. There will be our next guest. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, thank you both for being on the show. I've got a frog in my throat. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's it seems like it's been a while since we really talked about living on the boat. It, it you get some time, and it feels like it was a feels like it was a different life. But it's nice to talk about. Yeah, thanks for having us. Doesn't seem like we talked about tiny living much. Well, we but, talked a lot about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we covered the bases. Yeah. yeah. More than others sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, Shannon and Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Tiny House listeners, uh, check us out for our next show. It's going to be just as good as this one and as good as the last one. So be Go sure. leave a review. Or Come just on. At least, so yeah, we haven't damn. had a review in a while. We need a review, people. Okay, Mark needs a review. So. Where do we want reviews? Do we want them on Facebook? Do we want them on iTunes? Do we want a Spotify? iTunes. iTunes okay, iTunes review. There you go. Action item for the week, people. All right. Talk to you later. Namaste. See you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>